Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. What a blessing it is to be together on the Lord's Day, to worship God, to encourage each other. I'm so thankful to see you here this morning. God bless you. I want to thank Brother Brian for doing such a great job and leading us in our singing and all of our, our brothers who led us in our worship and taking care of us. Thank you for the great job you did. And thank you to our shepherds for their guidance and their wisdom during this time. You know, we are currently living in very fearful and uncertain times. I mean, think about it. As I speak to you right now, millions and millions of Americans are being confined and isolated in their homes. People are losing their jobs. The stock market and the economy overall continues to collapse. Many people around this country and throughout the globe are getting very sick, some even to the point of death. Thousands and thousands of schools are, are closing their doors. Major sporting events like NCAA and NBA basketball are being suspended and in some cases being canceled. Concerts and other public events are being canceled. Restaurants and various department stores, they're, they're closing. Movie theaters are closing. Popular television programs, they're suspending production. Travel plans are being disrupted. Gospel meetings in local churches are being canceled. Her services are dwindling each and every week, and today we, we come here afraid to hug and, and even shake each other's hands. Toilet paper has become the most prized possession, it appears. Brothers and sisters, due to the coronavirus pandemic that is currently sweeping its way across our country and globe, the things I am describing to you this morning, they appear to be the new normal in our country right now and, and maybe even for the next few months. I think we can all agree that as a nation, we are certainly in uncharted territory right now. None of us have ever seen anything like this before. This new normal that we are experiencing, it is certainly not normal to us at all. I mean, every day we turn on our news, it, it appears like things are getting worse and, and worse. It doesn't seem like things are getting any better. And, and some may wonder, how are we to cope with all of this? How are we to process all of this? What are we to do? I mean, what are some things that as the, as the people of God, that, that God wants us to keep in the forefront of our minds as we live in a world that is totally immersed in, in the horrors of this pandemic? What are some of the things that God wants us to remember as his people? During this very difficult time in our world, well, I want to submit to you this morning, my dear friends, that there are at least five very biblical and important things that our God wants us to remember during this time. There are at least five very important things that our God wants us to keep in the forefront of our minds as the coronavirus continues to plague the globe. And the first thing is this. The first thing, brothers and sisters, that we got to keep in mind during this time is we got to keep in mind that God is in control. Uh, God is still 
in control. Another way we can say that is God is still sovereign. God is still all powerful. God is still in heaven, reigning over his throne and controlling the, the, the affairs of mankind. This is a message that is promoted all throughout the scriptures, isn't it? For example, it is found throughout the Psalms. I'm reminded of a great Psalm, Psalm 135 in verse 6. In Psalm 135 in verse number 6, the psalmist says this. He says, whatever the Lord pleases, he does. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all the deeps. The coronavirus doesn't change that fact. It doesn't change the fact that, that God still continues to do whatever he wants to do, wherever he wants to do it. And then you put that with what we read in Psalm 47. Remember in Psalm 47 in verse 2, the Bible says this. It says, for the Lord most high is to be feared. Why? Because he is a great king over all the earth. He's a great king over all the earth. That's what is said in verse 2. That's also repeated in verse number 7. And then in verse number 8 of that same chapter, it says God reigns over the nations. He sits on his holy throne. God reigns over the nations. He's continuing to reign today. There the psalmist is talking about the sovereignty of God. God is always in control. I got to tell you that this is something that unfortunately King Nebuchadnezzar had to learn the hard way. Remember that? In Daniel chapter 4, go in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 4. And if you remember, after Nebuchadnezzar, the great king of Babylon refused to honor God and give God the glory for his blessings. If you remember, God humbled him for a time. God humbled him to the point to where he started looking like an animal, behaving like an animal, even eating grass like an animal. And after that period of judgment was coming to an end in Daniel 4 and verse 34, look at what Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged. Daniel 4, 24, or 34, I'm sorry. He says, but at the end of that period, at the end of his period of suffering, he says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my reason returned to me. And notice his attitude now. He says, I bless the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. Why? Because his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom or his rule endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will and the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to you, what have you done? Do you see what Nebuchadnezzar is acknowledging here? Do, do you see the attitude of the great king of Babylon now? Now Nebuchadnezzar understands the truth. He understands that God is sovereign. He, he understands that God has all authority and power and might. This was something that Nebuchadnezzar had to learn the hard way. This turned out to be a very frightening message to Nebuchadnezzar, but when you go over to Revelation 17, look over at Revelation 17, this same message right here that brought horror and terror in the heart of Nebuchadnezzar, it brought great comfort to God's people in the first century, didn't it? I'm going to Revelation 17, look at verse 14, during a time when our brethren, the early Christians, were suffering, I believe, to be at the hands of the Roman Empire during this time. In Revelation 17 and verse 14, it says, These, 
The these there, as I think, is a reference to, to Rome, the henchmen of Satan at this time. These will wage war against the Lamb, against Jesus. And the Lamb will overcome them. Why? Because he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him are the called and the chosen and the faithful. I want you to notice carefully that language that says that Jesus is Lord of lords and King of kings. Do you see that? When the Bible says... When John says that Jesus is Lord of Lords, the idea there is Jesus is a Lord to the highest degree. When it says that he is King of Kings, the idea there is he is a king to the highest degree. In other words, there is no one who is over Jesus. There is no one who has authority over the Lord Jesus. Jesus is over all things. Jesus is over all of the beasts of the field. He's over all the realm of mankind. He's over every earthly king, queen, president, or, or congressman. He's over me. He's over you. He's over sickness. He's over disease. He's over death. He, he holds the world, even to this day, in the palm of his hands. That is the truth that is emphasized to us as human beings all throughout the Bible, and we know that truth. We understand that truth. We believe that truth. But let's just be honest about it, brothers and sisters. During a time like this, even though we know that truth and agree on that truth and understand that truth, it can be easy for us to forget that truth, right? It can be easy for us to, to begin to doubt and even start questioning that truth while this coronavirus continues to sweep its way across the globe, if we're not careful, it can be easy for us to sit back and wonder, is God really still in control? Is God really still sovereign? Is God really still aware of what's going on in our lives? I got to tell you that through social media and and through the news and other means, I have seen people, I have seen people start to question the sovereignty of God during this time. In fact, this is a trap that Job fell into in his life for a time, if you remember his story. If you remember the story of Job after losing his wealth and his health and all ten of his children on the very same day to death, Towards the end of the book of Job, you know what we find Job doing? We find Job appearing to get frustrated with God. We find Job actually questioning God. Because it appears as though he felt that God was being unfair to him. It appears as though he felt that God had, had forsaken him and was allowing him to, to suffer unjustly. You see, when you get past the first few chapters of the book of Job, what you're going to find is, is a man who was suffering and he wanted answers from God. He wanted God to answer his questions about his suffering. And while it is never indicated to us that God actually gave Job the answers what he was, that he was seeking, you know what God did do? God did let Job know that regardless of his situation, he was still sovereign. He was still in control, beginning with what you find in Job chapter 38. When Job starts speaking or when God starts speaking to Job, he actually asks him a bunch of questions. 
He asked him questions like, Job, where were you when I made the world? Where were you when I made the sun and the moon and the stars? Where were you when I made all the land animals and all the sea creatures? Where were you when I made the mountains and all the glorious things that you see? Beginning in Job 38, we find God asking Job a series of questions. And the reason why God does that is because he wants to get Job to think. He wants to get Job to understand that while he may have been suffering at that time in his life, that didn't mean that he still wasn't reigning from his throne in heaven. That didn't mean that he still wasn't sovereign. You see, even in the midst of a world that was crumbling around him, Job still needed to understand that God was in control. He needed to understand and remember that God was still running the show. And let me tell you something, that's something that we also need to remember, right? During a very difficult time in our lives and in our world right now, we need to remember that God is still in control. God is still sovereign, and not only is God still in control, and not only is he still sovereign, but a second thing we also need to remember is God is still watching over everything. God is still seeing everything. God still sees everything that's going on in the world right now. God still sees every nation and every country and every state and city and county and family that is being impacted by this dreadful disease. He, he still sees me. And he also still sees you. He sees your family. He sees your faith. He sees your fears and your worries and your anxieties. And God even still sees your heart. I want you to go to one of my favorite psalms in, in, in the Bible. Will you go to Psalm 139, please? Psalm 139. This is a great psalm, one of my favorites here. This is something that David spoke by inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he was suffering during a time in his life. He took great comfort in the all in the all-seeing eyes of God. And in Psalm 139, verse 7, he says, Where can I go from your spirit? Oh, where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Do you see the point David is making? Notice how the point David is making is when it comes to God, God is, God is everywhere. God is able to see everything. There's no place so high or so low or so brighter or so dark that God can't always see exactly what we're up to. David took comfort in that. And then look at what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter, chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm going to verse number 13. In Hebrews 4 and verse 13, the Bible says this. It says, and there is no creature, no creature hidden from his sight, but all things, notice that, all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. My dear friends, while it may not seem like it right now, according to what the scripture says, God still knows exactly what's going on in the lives of his people. 
God is still very near his people. He is still in heaven watching over us and guiding us and, and even protecting us from things that, that we may not even be aware of. And so please remember that. Remember during this difficult time that God still sees everything. And also remember that God is faithful. Oh, yes, he's faithful even in times of crisis. In Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse number 9, Moses said to the children of Israel, Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness. You put that what you find in Psalm 89 and verse number 8. Psalm 89 and verse 8, there the psalmist says, O Lord, God of hosts, who is like you, Almighty Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. The faithfulness of God surrounds him. That's what the psalmist says. And then go look back at Hebrews again. Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23, the Hebrew writer says to Christians, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is what? He's faithful. He's faithful. He's trustworthy. He's reliable. He is someone who's never made a promise to his people that he has not kept. Brothers and sisters, people may let us down. People may deceive us. People may make promises to us that they don't keep. People may hurt us. People may stab us in the back. People may disappoint, desert, and even forsake us. People may do those kinds of things to us. But let me tell you something about God. God will never do those things to us. God is always faithful. God is always reliable. God is always loyal to the promises he makes to his people. This is something that we see very clearly when we study the life of a man like Abraham, right? You study the story of Abraham, and you know what you find? You find God making so many promises to Abraham and, and him being faithful and true to every one of those promises, right? For example, he kept his promise to give him a son, Isaac, in his old age. And he also kept his promise to make a great nation, the nation of Israel, from that son. And he also kept his promise to give that nation a great land, the land of Canaan. And he also kept his promise to bring someone into the world through that nation. And that would be Jesus, who would be a sacrifice for the sins of the world and make it possible for every single person, regardless of their physical race, to be adopted into the family of God. From Genesis to Revelation, we read about a God who is faithful. And you know what else we read about? We also read about a God who is worthy of glory. He's worthy of glory, as Brother Brad said this morning. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse number 31, the Apostle Paul says, whatever you do in word or deed, you do it all to the glory of God. Paul says that God is worthy of glory. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of reverence and respect and the highest level of adoration. He is worthy of every 
single one of those things. And someone says, well, why is God worthy of those things? Well, my friend, God is worthy of those things because he's God. Because he's good, because he's the creator, because he is he's everything that we've talked about so far. Let me tell you something as bad as this. Coronavirus might be right now. It doesn't change the facts about God. It doesn't change how we should respond to God, regardless of the trouble that our world may be in right now. The facts about God remain the same. God is still holy. God is still awesome. God is still worthy of glory, praise and worship from his people, whether in this place or in some other place. Those facts never change about God. And so remember during this time that our God is still great and he's still worthy of glory. And then also remember this. Remember during this time that God loves you. That's right. God loves you. Remember God loves you because he created you in his image. Remember that God loves you because even in the midst of this crisis, God is still taking care of you. God is still providing for you, and he's providing for your family, right? Remember that while we're still trying to to find a remedy or vaccine for this virus, God has already provided a remedy for your greatest virus, and that's your sin virus, and that remedy is found in one place, and that is through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. John 3, verse 16, the most well-known verse in the Bible. What does it say? For God so loved the world. That's me. That's you. That's everybody. God so loved the world that he did something. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But look over at the book of Romans. You know by now that I love Romans chapter 5. I, I just love it. It encourages me so much, especially during times like this, where in Romans 5 and verse 8, Romans 5 and verse 8, Paul says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Notice how at the core of the death of the precious son of God is the love of God. Notice how when we were at our very worst, when we were lost in our sins and destined to spend an eternity in hell because of our sin disease, God demonstrated his love for us at the highest level by giving us his son on a cross so that we can receive the cure we need spiritually to be reconciled unto him and actually be able to go to heaven, live with him forever. My dear friends, will you remember these five things during this difficult time? I hope you will. I hope that you remember these things. I hope they will encourage you. I hope you, they'll build you up and keep your head high during this time. I hope during this time you'll remember that God is in control. And because God is in control, I hope that will motivate you to trust him. 
Will you trust God during this time? During this very uncertain and difficult time, will you continue to trust God to take care of you and take care of your family? Will you make sure that you pray to God maybe more than ever? Will you lean on God? Will you put your confidence in God? Will you understand that if anybody can help get you through this, God can. He'll bless you. He'll bless you to keep your job or maybe find new employment. He'll keep you healthy if you're wise in your actions. He'll keep your marriage strong during this time. He'll watch over your kids. He'll help you overcome whatever anxieties and, and periods of worry you're going through right now. But because God is in control, I hope you'll trust him. And because God sees everything, I, I hope you'll take comfort. I hope you'll take comfort in the fact that God sees exactly what's going on in your little spot in the world. I hope you'll take comfort in the fact that God is with you and he's watching over you at every moment of the day. I hope you'll take comfort in the fact that God sees your problems. He sees your worries, your anxieties and your difficulties. And he wants you to bring those things to him through prayer because Peter says in 1 Peter 5, he cares for you. Because God sees everything. I hope you'll take comfort. And because God is faithful. I hope you keep your faith high in him. I hope you'll keep your faith high in his promises. I hope you'll remember that Jehovah, the living God, he's never made a promise that he's failed to keep. He kept all of his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He kept his promises to David. He kept his promises to Joshua. He'll also keep his promises to you. During this time, he'll keep his promise to listen to your prayers and attend to your prayers. He'll keep his promise to be with you even to the end of the world. He'll keep his promise to never forsake or leave your side. Because God is faithful, I hope you'll make sure you, you keep your faith high in him. And because God is worthy of glory. I hope you'll make sure that even during these difficult times, you will glorify him. I hope you'll glorify him in your daily life. D during this time of terrible suffering around the world, I hope you will make it your mission to glorify God. I hope you'll show the world the glory of God by continuing to acknowledge God and acknowledge his blessings. I hope you'll show the world the glory of God by continuing to live a faithful Christian life. By living a righteous life, by being optimistic and kind and considerate to other people. By being a beacon of light in this wicked world. By refusing to grumble and complain and being anxious for things, by helping people understand that even though things do appear to be bleak right now in our world, we still have a lot to be thankful for because through God's son, Jesus Christ, we have an avenue to go to a place where there is no sickness and disease. And so because God is worthy of glory, I hope, my dear friends, 
that you will make it your mission to continue to glorify God in, in your daily life. And because God loves you, I hope you'll continue to be thankful. I hope that you'll be thankful for the provisions that I know God is continuing to make for you every day. I hope that you'll pause and get some perspective and be thankful for your family. Be thankful for your spouse and your kids and your grandkids. Be thankful for the people in this room, your brothers and sisters in Christ that you have to lean on during this time. Be thankful for the leadership of this church. Be thankful that we live in a society where we have doctors and nurses. Be thankful for our government. Be thankful for the military. Be thankful for our first responders and, and our police officers. Be thankful for your home. Be thankful that you have a nice soft bed to sleep in tonight. Be thankful for Jesus. Be thankful for the fact that he took care of your greatest problem 2,000 years ago when he gave his life at Calvary. In Colossians 4 and verse 2, Paul says, devote yourself to prayer. Keep an alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Brothers and sisters, I hope you'll remember these things during this time. I hope you'll pray about them. I hope that they will encourage you, and I hope that you will encourage others with them. You don't mind, before we go into our invitation, I just want to ask you to bow your heads with me as we say a prayer, and then we'll go into our invitation. Let us pray. Almighty God, we bow our heads with humble hearts, and in some cases, heavy hearts. First off, thanking you for another day of life and health and strength. Thanking you for Jesus and the salvation found in his blood. Thanking you for our country and the provisions we have in this country. Thank you that we're here this morning to worship you and give you the glory. We pray, Father, at this time for those who are hurting, those who are sick, those who have fears and anxieties, that you will help them and lift them up and bless them at this time. We pray for our elderly members of this congregation who are very vulnerable at this time. We pray for our elders that you continue to give them wisdom and good judgment. We pray, Father, for a remedy, a vaccine, some kind of a cure to this terrible virus plaguing our country and world. We pray for the doctors, the nurses, the scientists, our leaders, our president, our congressmen and congresswomen, our judges, our police officers, paramedics. We pray for all these people, Father, that you will be with them at this time. And Father, be with us. Keep our heads high. Keep our spirits strong. Keep our faith great in you and in your promises. We know that you are a great God who never forsakes his people. And we know that you will be with us during this time. You will bless us to see better days soon. Through it all, Father, we give you the glory. And we're thankful for everything that comes from your hand. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we'll get your songbook in just a moment. Brother Brian's going to lead us in a song for now. Maybe there is someone here who is suffering from the worst kind of virus there is, and that is the sin virus, the sin disease. If so, you can do something about that today. 
while there is no vaccine or cure from what I know of for the coronavirus that is made available to all, yet there is a remedy for your sin problem available to all, and that is through Jesus, the Son of God. So if you need to come to him this morning for the first time or be restored into a right relationship with him, I want you to know that no virus is going to stop us from from helping serving you this morning. So if you need to respond to the gospel with faith, repentance, and baptism, I want you to know that our God is good, our God is loving, and our God wants you to come to him right now before it's too late. And if we can help you with that, come to the front right now.